Welcome to the Chorus and the Chaos podcast. My name is Blake Labry. I'm joined once again by Grayson Gilbert and Jack Lee, the founders, uh, the creators, the dynamic duo of the Chorus and the Chaos. In fact, I just feel blessed to be in their presence. Uh, you know, we are doing a uh, another episode on family worship. It's going to be a follow-up of our last episode. And... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm not used to people complimenting me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, it's like, you should never write again. <laughs> Everything that Jack Lee writes is totally void of Christian orthodoxy, or whatever that comment was. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's the, the general comment. MO on Pepeos. And again, that that comment always stands out to me as, you would have to work so hard to be orthodox on literally nothing. But apparently, according to that comment, Jack well, has mastered. I do what I can. I mean, I, you know, you commit your life to something, and it's amazing you what you can do. I have a it. special set of skills. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so uh, last time uh, we did a podcast on family worship, and there were just a few things we wanted to touch on uh, more in regards to that. Uh, the command to family worship. Um, some of uh, the scripture passages and things attached to that. And so I'll kick it over to Grayson, and he'll uh, comment a little bit more on those things. Yeah, when we were just taking a look at uh, post-recording, um, essentially what we were thinking of with it is that we wanted to stress really the importance of the command aspect of it. Uh, I know we touched on some scriptures before, and we brought those to light and talked about the idea of family worship, kind of how we do it in some instances, and just how there's people that might have some different viewpoints on it. And I think we even recommended a couple of different good resources to kind of get started with that. Um, but as we just discussed it more and, and thought about it more, um, we really wanted to stress the importance of the reality of it and the fact that it's a non-negotiable command. And much like any other command we find in Scripture, it holds a lot of weight to it. Um, this one, I think, is is a hard one for most people just because, again, we tend to struggle with it. But we wanted to take, again, and I, a closer look at the actual passages themselves and really kind of hit that home. Uh, the reason for it is is kind of simple when you boil it down to the, the base truth of it. Um, we have children for only a set amount of years, and during that time we're commanded by the Lord to teach them, and we should take that with the utmost sobriety, I think. Um, so we're hopeful to hit that today, and we're hopeful to do it in a way that lifts up um, the goodness and the beauty and the truth of it, but also just season it with much grace, because I know, obviously, again, that many people struggle with this. But before we jump into that, I want to give you guys a little bit of an update, and I've been saving this for the podcast because I know you care. You know, I told you we're terrible singers, and we don't sing in family worship mm -hmm. because it's it's an abomination, typically. Well, uh, I started thinking about it and some of the stuff you guys said and thinking about different things we could do, and I implemented this, and it's actually worked really well. So to kick things off and and to kind of gather the gather the troops, again, five, five younger kids, we just start off with the doxology. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And we sing that. It's short. And relatively quick, straight to the point. But I've noticed it, it it pretty pretty quickly dials in the kids to like be a little bit more more reverent and sure. you know stop making you know jokes or punching each other or whatever they <laughs> right. have to be doing in the minute. Right, <laughs> keeps the kids from punching but, each other, keeps me from punching the kids. Kind of just brings <laughs> it all in. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that. Uh, you guys 
th- you guys were talking about singing, and I was like, I mean, I really got to incorporate that. And I thought about that, and we've done it. It's it's worked out really yeah, that's well. Awesome, so we, we, now we start off start off every session. So anyway, that's awesome. I thought I'd share a little little yeah, update. That's great. I love it when peer yeah. pressure yeah. works. Uh, when so. you have two Baptist boys <laughs> pressing on a Presbyterian, I mean, that's just pure gold there. No, no, that's 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 good, man. That's that's really, and I'm I'm glad uh, that you can notice that you notice like that switch too of from like being goofy it, to it, like bringing it. There in. really is yeah. like it it dials him in a little bit quicker. Sure, right. So sure. anyway, yeah, yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I was gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna have to work that in myself. I actually I've always loved the doxology. Um, just for the reason that it is simple and it's just pure good theology. But um, we've been doing, I just started this recently as well, but we're doing a psalm each night before we pray uh, for bedtime. And what I'm doing with it is literally just allowing the psalm to shape our prayers. Uh, My hope with it is to just continue to teach the kids how to pray better. Um, I think Don Whitney did an excellent little book. Donald Whitney would be very proud of you right now. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean... His book literally shaped and changed my prayers for just the better when I read that book when it came out. Yeah. Um, I'd always, you know, wanted to pray from Scripture, and I think I did it in many ways um, because I'd open up random passages and pray from it. But uh, the Psalter just really has a, a way of being able to speak to all facets of human emotion and mm-hmm. struggles, pitfalls, but also to the heights of worship and everything else, too. Right. And no matter what, you're always being grounded back into the truth of who God is at the very end of it. Um, some of them are messianic. And so, I mean, you really run the gamut no matter what. And so each, each night it's a different thing. And that's what I'm trying to teach the kids is that you have such an arsenal behind your prayers that now you can go before your heavenly father and you don't have to pray every single line that's in the Psalm, right? But you can go through it and you can apply it to, you know, like the kids always learn about um, persecuted Christians on uh, Sundays with Sunday school and stuff like that. So that's an aspect where I look at it and say, okay, we can integrate that into our prayers in some ways, especially as we're going through some of the ones that David wrote in book one. But so we just started that, but um, I'm loving it so far. That's great. Yeah. It's really good. And that book was what again, Grayson? <laughs> uh, praying through the Bible, I think, or praying yeah. the Bible, praying through yeah. the Psalms, something praying like that. Praying the it's, scriptures, isn't it? Or is it? Maybe. Praying I can't remember. Some, if you type in praying something, by Donald, Donald Whitney, yeah. you'll find it. Yeah. You'll Another good it. one is um, Don Carson's, where he he goes through the theology of Paul in his prayer, mm. prayers. Mm. Um, that's another great one. Yeah, and that Whitney book is mm. super short too. It's like eighty pages, I think, or ninety pages. Oh yeah. And then there's like a prayer plan in the back that's really handy to get you started. It's my kind of book. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think technically well, it's a book lit with a hard <laughs> cover, but <laughs> those. But who am I to who am I to jab at Donald Whitney, right? Well, I think of how many books do you know that have been written that are like seven steps to unlocking prayer, and yeah. half of them are garbage, for one. Um, but for two, people forget that kind of stuff. Right. So it's like, like we I think we said it the last time, the that metaphor, or not the metaphor, the acronym, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. literally my MO for life, just so you guys know. But <laughs> <laughs> with stuff like this, especially, where it, it, it's so easy. You just open up a psalm and start yeah. praying. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I guess to to shift gears a little bit. So let, let's talk about the the command, if you will, to family scripture to 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 do family scripture. And you know, I was thinking about it when we after we went back and listened to the podcast. And Grayson, you suggested 
we revisit this because maybe we didn't touch on this clear enough because we 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 tend to, it's, I'll I'll take the blame because I think I took the first step there, but kind of gravitating the podcast and discussion towards kind of how we do it and advice, kind of real practical, right? Is where we went with that. And you know, I I wonder if part of the reason we did that is, and maybe you can disagree with me, um, but I would say that there is no single verse in Scripture that explicitly commands us to family worship. Right. However, I hang on, hang on. What I would okay. say, yeah, <laughs> what I would say is that it's uh, so footnote. germane and inner and interwoven into the fabric of God's people that it's naturally everywhere in Scripture. It's it's so so elemental to the Christian faith and and the family of God's family, you know, that it's as it's as expected and just understood that it's there as say prayer. So right that the, that the two are just there. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, there are verses where thing where we are commanded to do things. Yeah, and and we can take. Not sure we'll talk about those. I've even got a list of verses here. But anyway, all that to say, I, I you know if you, if you think about there are, there are clear commands in Scripture, like very clear commands in Scripture for certain things. But I would say that there's not so much just a clear thou shalt family worship, right? Sure, if you're looking at it in a sense of that specific term, um, I guess I could agree with you there. I, I mean, I think if you look at it in terms of just instruction or training um, in righteousness and all that kind of stuff, or, or training them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, I think those are just explicit commands. Yeah, I, I would agree. But they're not, they're not, and it, this isn't, our, you and I are going to agree on this, yeah. at least where, where we end up here. But I was just thinking that Maybe maybe it didn't didn't happen, or we didn't we didn't start there, because there's not like a a single proof text. Rather, it's it's a combination of many things within Scripture, but that it's also so understood and just elemental to God's people throughout all of the Bible, right? From Noah to Abraham to David to so on and so forth. Like all of these people, there's this element of family worship and family incorporation to what they're doing um, before the Lord. So anyway, th- those are my thoughts. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but that was just something that I thought about as we began to re. Uh, I think you know, reapproach. You this. think too highly of me. <laughs> like, what was going on in my mind that day was probably not that. I mean, just if I'm going to be honest, and I, I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just um, I probably just forgot. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> Truthfully speaking, I mean, I'm just that kind of guy. Um, Pastors so, don't pastors don't forget things. This is true. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a valid point. Well, okay. Well, let, let's jump into so so. Well, anyway, Blake, what do you think? Do you agree with me or not? Not agree with me. So, full disclosure, I was running around trying to get my cell phone charger. <laughs> I heard. Yes, I agree, Jack. Whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sweet. No. I mean, I, I would say no. I would say it's absolutely interwoven uh, in scripture. Like, it's an expected thing. But I would say that there are still pointed commands. I mean, just just like prayer is expected, there is still commands to pray, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so the whole aspect of, you know, leading your children, and I don't know if this is the, the right time to jump into this, because I know we're going to talk about, uh, you know, Scripture stuff and, and all that. But, I mean, Deuteronomy 6 is very clear. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that it is your responsibility to teach these things to your children in your home, 
you know, <laughs> and and in all these other areas yeah. of life. And I do, think, do you, hey, r- real quick, yeah. hey Blake, do you have it pulled up, or do you want to read yeah. that? Yeah, I do. A hero, Israel, uh, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the lo- uh, Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you, they shall be frontlets between your eyes. Um, yeah. You should ride them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I think one of the mistakes that can be made when we say, well, you know, family worship just it should it should just be there. It's just expected as part of, of life. Is you don't want to run into the um, the the silent gospel. You know how sometimes people say, well, you don't preach the gospel. You just show the gospel by your actions. And you don't want that in your home, right? I mean, you don't want you don't want to just expect that your children. I mean, there should be, of course, living action behind what you believe. But this verse pointedly says it's not just you know impress upon your children only with your lifestyle. It's you need to teach them with your words also, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's a very specific. I mean, that's a very specific command. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think when you look at that, I mean, especially. Because Deuteronomy 4 does the same thing. Deuteronomy 11 does the same thing, where he's talking about explicit commands. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking at the commandments of the Lord as a whole, and then you have the command to teach those commandments to your children, um, I don't think it gets any more explicit than that. I yeah. mean, you shall talk at, of them when you are in your house. I mean, yes, yeah, sounds I like mean, family worship to me. I don't know. <laughs> when you, when you walk along the road or when you're in home, as you, every place your foot treads, I think Deuteronomy 11 says. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point of it is, you know, when we ask the simple question, what are the commandments of the Lord? Um, that's, that's all of them, right? And so if we're looking at that within an explicit context of the home um, and we're to teach our children these things, I think, I think the concept of family worship is rather explicit in that regard. I also yeah. think of, so like Ephesians 6, 4, um, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, is another one that's just kind of a, a catch-all in that sense. I get, I guess, and I and I don't disagree, this is not a thing that, like, this is not like a major disagreement. I guess I've always read those of, as general principle no i know yeah i know what you're saying yeah, Jim, like, yeah maybe that's maybe that's a better saying, maybe that's yeah. a better way to say it like th- those are principles for how and, and and but you know it's a command too i suppose so you know one thing that i think is to to go back to the deuteronomy verse one thing that i've always found fascinating not really fascinating but just intriguing and maybe maybe c- compelling when you think about the context of what's happening mm-hmm. Because and, and even even more so, how important that that command right. is, or these principles, however you want to look at it. Because you know Israel has now wandered the desert for forty years, and practically speaking, you've got um, a generation of people that have come and gone. Right, there's some left over, right? But you've had a lot of people as they've wandered forty years, roughly a lifetime. There's been some go, some come in, right? right. And they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Moses is not far from departing and you have this long like before you go into the before you go into the promised land let's recap yeah (laughs) like let's recap what's important here because some of you may not have really heard this and to quote jack before we started recording don't mess it up (laughs) don't mess it up (laughs) 
That's, that's right. the message yeah. version of Deuteronomy six. There but, you go. But, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 mess it up, stupid. <laughs> that, that's what they're saying. But 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 I think that's really a compelling way to think about it because there's there's this entire section of scripture dedicated to the fact that you are about to go into the land that the Lord has given to you. Here's what you have to do. Let's let's summarize this. Let's focus. Like pay attention. This is what you do, and that's kind of where the book of Deuteronomy comes from. And you have this explicit command about the 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 way God is impacting families to to operate. Yeah, and that's that's significant. Like I think that's really significant, and just it it drives down to how important it is for God's people to to uphold these principles in their families and in their lives. Yeah. So if I were to go back to the the command principle thing, I think perhaps I'm. I mean, this is literally just me shooting off the cuff of how we might phrase it, but the command is to train your children, right, or to to lead them in this aspect of family worship. Um, the principle is basically that overarching in the discipline and instruction of the Lord or in the commandments of the Lord. Uh, and so how that fleshes out might be different, again, from household to household, but the content is to be specific. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and we mentioned that, and we mentioned that last time is that it yeah. looks we're trying to achieve the same goal, but it may look different um, and have different aspects. Yeah, so that I mean that's where the principal aspect comes in. But but when we look at all those passages, I mean they're they're overt imperatives, which is just the tense for command. Mm-hmm. So the the yeah. one I find interesting though is that one in Ephesians six is um, you know Paul starts off, "Don't provoke your children to wrath." <laughs> Right, so I mean, he immediately leaps on the fathers and says, "Don't, don't exacerbate them. Don't bring them, you know, essentially to anger all the time. But instead, train them." Um, it just shows there's a tendency, I think, even in dads that they might not even be aware of necessarily, but the the tendency could be to simply bring them to wrath. So how do you? This is me asking you this off the cuff, but what are ways you've seen that? So think of the contrast between that and teaching them. Um, what a, what would be a way you exacerbate your kids, you think? That's a great question. I, I think about this verse often, and I don't know that I've ever fully understood what Paul meant. Like, I know what don't provoke your children. Like, I get that. But in the context of what he's talking about, I, I've, I've thought about this verse often, right? Is he talking about don't provoke them to anger? Like over disciplining them, is he just? Is it just a general another principle? Like you shouldn't do this so that you can discipline them. Like I, I've I've thought about the and we're kind of getting off topic here, but that that verse in particular, I'm curious what you guys think. It's it's not one I've ever studied, but every time I I come across it or I'll think about it kind of passively, I'll I'll wonder what Paul had in mind when when uh, when he penned that. Yeah. So I would. I would say the beginning of chapter six, he's he starts out by giving instructions to the parents or to the children, mm-hmm. rather, to the children to obey their parents. This is the first commandment with promise, all of that. <clears throat> all of that. Yeah. <clears throat> so the so I mean I would just look at it and say, you know, you have this command to ch- uh, children to obey their parents in the Lord, and then you have the command to fathers specifically. You can make it easier for your children to obey you if you're being godly 
and you're not, mm-hmm. you know, provoking them and you're not provoking them to anger because that's kind of the two prong command is don't provoke them to anger, but like you guys said, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if you're, you know, I think even as it pertains to family worship, because I know that I've talked to guys and I've experienced this myself, that, you know, this father's trying to lead family worship. I mean, you can be prone to irritation in the midst of it. You know, the kids aren't doing what you want them to do. Uh, they're not taking it seriously. They're flicking boogers on each other or whatever, you know, the case is they're being too loud. (laughs) Somebody starts crying, you know, it's like the whole thing. And you as the father see the importance of it. You want it to go right. Uh, you want to have kind of a classical style painting done of your family where all 12 of your children are on their knees praying and a light is shining on you as you read them scripture and things like that. Uh, and it's just not, and it's just not working out that way. I mean, how many times do guys blow up in that situation? Yeah. You know, you know, we're just done with this. Yeah, we're done with this. Or, you know, we're, you guys can't handle, you know, or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, like right there, I think you have in, in your trying to instruct them and then trying to bring them up in the ways of the Lord, um, you have like this wrong response. And so, I mean, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond family worship. Oh, absolutely. Obviously. I mean, you, you look at it in the context of the whole home, right? So you're mm-hmm. enculturating a home in the Christian faith. Ooh, I and like so, that. Yeah. That's a good phrase, yeah. Um, as you're doing that, though, literally every aspect of it is to be under submission to the Word of God. And so, I mean, think of that uh, just as quickly as you're I mean, Jack, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said over-disciplining. I think that's that's one key way people can do it. Um, you have fathers that could be hypocritical. Um, you know, they demand something of their kid they're not willing to do. You have fathers that are, are lazy um, or ones that are just given to pure work, like they're workaholics. There's many different ways it could be done, but I think if you were to summarize it all, probably the best way is that if you just have a general ungodliness about you, you're yeah. going to exasperate your kids. Right. And so, I mean, you you can't lead family worship well unless you're given to seeking godliness. Right. So, because it, 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 again, it's that enculturation of the whole home. And so it, it goes beyond just that time of, we're going to sit down for 10 to 15 minutes. Now it's, we're living out our Christian faith before our kids at all times for those yeah. 18 years that we have them. So how do we right. do that well? Yeah, that's, that's good insight. A couple of passages we just hit there turning about the actual command. Um, I thought of a couple other ones just in in regard to kind of the principal aspect of it. So these aren't overt commands, but, um, you know, think of Timothy, right? And so 2 Timothy, I brought up just 115 and then 315. Uh, Paul's talking about the the reality of Timothy being trained by his grandmother Lois and then his mother Eunice. Um, he talks about the sincere faith that they cultivated in Timothy at then again in 3.15, he says, And from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, those are, again, principial passages that I look at and see. Here was just a faithful mom and grandma where, who knows where dad was? I mean, we just don't get that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, we don't get where dad was for Timothy, but you have a family that still sought to bring him up in the instruction of the word. And it paid rich dividends later, where mm-hmm. now you have the Apostle Paul looking mm-hmm. at this young man and saying, I'm charging you uh, before our Lord Jesus Christ to now run this church, essentially. 
Um, hmm. And then I also pulled up Genesis eighteen nineteen. Now this one's seemingly maybe out of left field, but again, God is just uh, covenanted with Abraham just a few chapters earlier. And he's talking about this realities here. And he says, For I have chosen him, being Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Um, that one stood out to me just because uh, the Abrahamic promise, in one sense, is contingent there on his faithfulness to actually teach that to his children and to the whole household. Yeah. What was the reference on that? Uh, Genesis eight eighteen nineteen. Yep. So, I mean, obviously God swears a unilateral covenant with Abraham, uh, but part and parcel to that, you know, he gives him the land, he gives him offspring, but part of that is that he's to command now his children and all future generations are standing to inherit from that. So I thought that was just a, a little bit of a unique yeah, verse. Yeah, that is. That is a, that's a good one. Yeah, I had... I, I jotted. I had that one down actually. I also had down one other one that I don't think we've touched on. That's that I think about when I think about kind of the principle or the command or this example of family worship in Scripture. But it's the verse that gets quoted quoted to me all the time to demonstrate free will uh, in the Bible. But you know, in Joshua, as for me and my house, say it with me. We will. Oh, serve the Lord. Yeah. Oh, no, I thought you were. No, I thought you were like. I thought you were trying to do something different there. Like you were talking. I thought you were breaking the fourth wall. We will with the audience. You. Oh <laughs> no! You know what? We are. We are going to break the fourth wall. Let's all say it together. But as for me and my house, we will. We, we will, will serve, serve the Lord. The Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's just like, and done. <laughs> and we're switching over anyway, to Joe th- Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> Enough of this. Um, but yeah, I think that verse demonstrates you know, kind of more of the same. It's this, again, you see this idea of, of family and the way that God just through his creation has prioritized family and been faithful through family. And I'm going to probably overemphasize that a little bit because I'm a Presbyterian, but I do think it's very scriptural. Right, the the God has has worked through families. Every, I was reading a book. Now I haven't, I haven't one of these. I was actually on the plane. I revisited that book I referenced last time uh, by J. W. Alexander, Thoughts on Family Worship, and he made a he made a comment. Now I haven't validated this. I have, I I thought that was an interesting comment. He made a point in this book, and it was just kind of a one off statement that in every single covenant in the Bible. God, I'm trying to remember exactly how I phrased it. God extended his, his basically extended his covenant throughout a generation, through a familial generation, like from father to son, mm-hmm. like the, the, the covenant carried through, mm-hmm. right? Oh, sure. And, and, I, and I suppose that's true. I, I haven't critically thought about it, but I found that kind of an interesting thing. I can see that. I mean, you, you read it in the Psalms where, I mean, time and time again, what they're drawing hope from is the basis of God's covenant. Right, and so they're looking to past generations and seeing how God has worked, and they're praising God for that in the midst of their circumstances, which are uh, truthfully just horrible half the time. So I think of, I think it was Psalm forty-four. Um, I just preached mm-hmm. on it recently, but these guys are literally being killed. They're being sent as sheep to the slaughter, and so they're um, questioning the reality of it. But they're 
essentially content. Paul picks it up later in Romans 8, um, basically talking about the confident martyr. But the aspect of it that they're ringing home is that all of it race arrests upon God's faithfulness to his covenant, right? And so hmm. though they don't understand the pitfalls and the trials and the hardships, they're still going back to God's covenant faithfulness. And it's that intergenerational aspect where yeah. just from father to son to son and so forth is just right. all being passed right. down. It's that unique heritage. Yeah. And I think when we look at the whole composite of it, especially, you know, not just this, but the even the passages we just looked at, the the emphasis is just this continual aspect of teaching where like Amen. we we pass down this heritage, um, and that's that's our heritage. Like we've we've inherited that. Um, whether you're a first generation Christian or you're in the long line of Christians in your family, we now take that heritage and pass it down because it's of the Lord. So we right. we aim to raise Christian kids. Right. Hmm. Amen. Yeah. Well, so that so to kind of wrap up, I think kind of we had this broken up into two sections. And the first section was the command of family worship. I, I think we've covered that pretty well, right? I think um, just to kind of move the podcast along here, we, we definitely mentioned, mentioned some texts. Um, I think if you if you wanted to go through and look at the narrative of Scripture, kind of this implied inter- intergenerational, I like that phrasing better than I was bumbling through Grayson, but... You, you could probably see examples of family worship and this uh, this principle, this command uh, throughout throughout the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. It is it is very much the idea of family worship and God's people worshiping God as a family unit is interwoven throughout the whole of Scripture. Right. It just is, right? Yeah. So 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 point two, kind of se- section two here. Um, we we had this titled for the for the listener out there the two people that might still be listening after my uh, <laughs> Joshua debacle um, the scriptures the scriptures okay, promise okay. for a <laughs> see I said not to mess it up and what did I go what did I go and do well um, the yeah it'll be great <laughs> to just take that and cut it as a sound bite at the beginning not a tone reply <laughs> we will serve the Lord. Lord. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, section two. Um, scriptures promise for obedience of these commands. So what what does scripture tell us if, if we do this, if we raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, if we incorporate family worship, if we do these things that Deuteronomy talks about, that Ephesians talks about, um, you know, what will happen? Blake, you got anything? Blake, you want to? Yeah. You look like you have something to say. I'm thinking. My, I, I mean, because the thing that the, the thing that immediately comes to my mind, but then this is going to open up a whole other thing, is that when they are old, they will not depart from them. And I know for a lot of people that, you know, there's different interpretations of that passage, and that passage may carry some heaviness and pain to it. Um, I mean, we, we've had conversations even talking about, I know some, maybe some of our listeners aren't big, you know, Piper fans, but you look at John Piper yeah. and then his son, you know, and kind of everything that's going on. And you could probably point to things that, you know, John Piper did wrong and whatever. I mean, whatever, whatever the thing is. And so, I mean, I would, I would look at it like one of the benefits or the promises that comes along with 
raising up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord is they will either convert or at least the things that you taught them will not readily be able to leave their their conscience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I, again, I think of Abraham Piper. He's a, literally a perfect example of that. Um, I look at that and... And that's for, for people that that's, that is Piper's son. Yes. That like yep. reference just to, yeah. Who is, um, who does I, like atheist TikTok videos. Oh yeah. Um, he's, he's and, obnoxious. I mean, yeah, but I, I, think I, I look at we might've mentioned him before. Yeah. I see that as a mark of, um, John Piper's faithfulness because here you have a guy who, who literally makes his bread. I mean, he's filthy rich from one of his companies that he sold. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, but all his popularity on TikTok and Twitter and all that other kind of junk is is literally based on him just being a thorn in the old man's side. Um, but the way I see that is that there, Christianity literally has free headspace all day long to where yeah. he can't help but continue to just knock against <laughs> right, it. Right, right. And it's sad. It's sad, but it's a mark of a man, uh, or a father at least, that I think he taught his kid well and... His kid just hates the truth. His kid's not regenerate. And that's where the sadness is. Mm, and, right, right. But he was faithful, and he tried yeah. to do his best, and he still prays for his son and pleads for him. Yeah. But. Right. I think I think that's, that's it, though. I mean, his videos, he can't escape it. Like, he can't escape uh, the things that he's been taught. Or the things that he's learned. And, you know, it's it's kind of goes back to that old thing of, you know, you don't see guys you know, writing books and raging against Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and, you know, things no. like this. Like, there's just, there's something about knowing the truth and then rejecting the truth uh, that you cannot, that you you can't escape it. And I think that's what Romans 1 makes that clear. Yep. Yeah. You know, in that, in that book that I referenced a minute ago, he made another comment that I found kind of interesting. He was talking about the, he basically attributed any major decline in, say, Christian thought, generational Christian thought, like um, he specifically referenced Geneva. And this book was written in the, like the 1800s. <laughs> and I, I don't know, you know, Geneva in the 1800s was not great okay. c- compared to where Calvin left. Yeah. It, but he specifically referenced that. And he attributed the demise and kind of the fall of Christianity in these places to parents not training up their children. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like he specifically attributed it to that, 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 you know, this two, two to three generational lag, if, if parents neglect it, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the fall of a culture. Mm-hmm. And it, what's interesting is it's, it's different for the generations. Like you see that again and again, whether it was Geneva or, you know, that is, that is classically a tr- like said about the Mennonites. Uh, and it can mm-hmm. be attributed to other folks uh, as well in other circumstances and things. Is that <clears throat> the the like the first generation knows what they believe, why they believe it. They fought and bled and sweat and cried for it and all these things. They pass it to their children, who their children now receive it secondhand. And it's so this responsibility of the parent to pass it on to the child, but it's also the responsibility of the child to actually embrace it. Yep. And not just embrace yeah. it because the you know because the old man and the old lady do, uh, and then if if they don't embrace it themselves, then by the time it reaches the third generation, the third generation doesn't know what they believe or why or why they believe it. You know. Well, 
Yeah. Proverbs 4.4, 4, let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments, and live. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y- you literally have a father just pleading with his son at that point. Just hear the instruction that I'm giving you because it brings life. It brings wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at Israel's history, right? I mean, literally from one generation to the next, you have people that are just going right back into to whoredom with false gods and um, false practices. But you'll you'll get one guy who all of a sudden he's a good king and he leads the people well. He brings the word of the Lord front and center. And some are better kings than others. Some you read and you're like, you still didn't take down the high places, right? <laughs> but then, um, you know, the next generation comes and it's like, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and all the people followed after him. And it's again that how quickly one generation to the next can move simply for forsaking God and his commandments. And yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, there's a right in the 10 commandments. It's actually quoted in Ephesians six, cause we've referenced that, but Ephesians six, one and following children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your mother and father. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Right. Right there. Like God, God basically established this principle back in the Ten Commandments in Sinai. So yep. anyway, but but yeah, the, the generational effects. So we think about the benefits of family worship. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Grace said you touched on the benefit of of kind of wisdom and doctrine a little mm-hmm. bit and teaching. Like they preserve that. Um, that's absolutely true, and it gets carried down. Like um, it it has. Um, Genera- generational effects, like what we do to our children will matter and what we teach our children will matter, not just for them. It will matter for them, obviously, but their children and their children's children. Yeah. Like, Well, I think yeah. of it even on the practical end of things. Um, I think one of the notes I had was just the benefit of wisdom. I mean, wisdom is being able to take godly knowledge and skillfully apply it. Mm-hmm. And so you think of that in light of just life in general. Um, look at our culture. Right. I mean, how many people would you say can conduct themselves in any kind of a wise way? Right. Six or seven. Yeah. I mean, it's like a handful at best. <laughs> I, I, and that's only because we're singing the doxology now. There you go. But there's a practical benefit to being able to instruct people in in the, um, the ways of the Lord. So uh, Proverbs is a book literally just about the wisdom of a, a king, so how he might rule well and how he might choose a wise wife, how he might um, pursue wisdom instead of folly, all those different aspects of it. But what that employs, or not employs, I'm sorry, implies is simply that by the instruction of the word of the Lord, he will actually have basic skill in life that others just simply won't have as a result. Yeah. You know, you also jotted down, this one's maybe maybe obvious to a point, but it's certainly not, it's certainly worth mentioning, but the eternal ramifications, I think that was a, a point that you had jotted down. Yeah. Grayson, the, the, the things, these, these things certainly have eternal weight and significance, right? Heaven and hell are real things. God's, God's judgment and God's wrath yeah. is real. I think it was Vody, wasn't and, it Vody, uh, who said something to the effect of, you know, shame on the man that teaches his son to keep the eye, his eye on the ball and not his eye on Christ. You know, yeah. like yeah. we we get so wrapped up in these uh, secondary things, and it's so easy to get distracted, and it's so easy to like look at just the the here and now, and not consider 
what are the eternal ramifications of the words that I say to my children, the actions I take toward my children, the things that my children see are important to me. Like, like dare you, like dare you challenge yourself and ask your children, what is the most important thing to dad and see what they, you know, and see what they say back to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, kids will be brutally honest too, and you might not like what they say, but they'll say it. Um, they and, also and, might say something weird like aliens or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's you not really what I was going like, for. You really like <laughs> eggs. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I make that joke, but I actually, I cook a lot of eggs, and so my, ki- my kids would be the ones that'd be like, you like eggs. <laughs> uh, what is the pearl of great price for daddy? Eggs. The- perfect the perfect egg pan that nobody uses for anything else yes people that know me will hey. know that joke um <laughs> to put wait, it in you a, have, wait wait hold on oh I, there's a story there yeah do you have an egg pan that you don't I use do. for anything else no so i used to be much more stringent about it i mean there are there are some stupid hills that I die on, and yeah. and one of them. Would you at say one that point, you were provoking your children to breakfasty wrath? No, um, <laughs> they were too young at that point. I provoked yeah. my wife to wrath, um, and my mom, and I think that's <laughs> just start listing off twenty different people. All the important women in my life yes. were angry at the egg pan. Hang on, this is all over eggs. All right, so I'm, I have to now give this little bit of a background story. Okay, um, go for it. Again, I, I've always cooked a lot of eggs, and so my wife decided one day she was going to get me a Pampered Chef pan, which is a stupidly expensive pan. And we were dirt poor. I mean, we had our first home. I was making like 15 bucks an hour to support our family of four at the time, and uh, we did. We just didn't have much money. So she bought me this like $100 pan, and in my mind at the time, I'm like, that's a ton of money um even today i'm like that's still a lot of money for a pan but i wanted to try and keep it preserved as long as possible and so in my mind it's like egg pan literally meant for just eggs you cannot use it for anything else (laughs) and so there were a couple times i walk in and people are cooking something else and i'm like what are you doing this is the egg pan (coughs) you have soiled the egg pan my mom looks at me and she's like, I'm cooking. I'm like, but that doesn't belong in there. Only eggs belong in there. Yeah. But you still have the egg pan? No, I've got uh some other wow. different pans. Hmm. But I I don't have a special egg pan at this point. Well, I think we're good to so end the podcast right Santa, there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we go from eternal ramifications to egg pan. <laughs> Yeah. So can we call this episode the one with Grayson's egg pan? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so I'm kidding. Kind of going back full circle though. Um, I'm going to bring it back there since I took it there. Apparently, one of the things that I I've constantly been thinking of, and especially lately, I mean, my kids are growing older, and I mean, I think our youngest, I mean, all of them are on the the opposite end of that 18 years that you get them for. Um, our youngest is nine at this point. So it's like mm. time is just running out and they've all made a profession of faith. Our youngest hasn't, um, hasn't been baptized yet just cause we haven't had a, a service or an official interview. I mean, we're good old Baptist boys. So I know Jack, you're ruffled a little bit there, but, 
Um, all of them have made a profession of faith. They're all seeking to obey, and, and they're kids. But I keep looking at it, and I'm like, this is a future generation of the church. Yeah. This is a future generation of my family. Um, my whole family, extended family, um, many of them are just overt pagan. They don't know the Lord. And even some of the ones that do, they have really wonky, in some cases, heretical theology. Yeah. And I'm looking at these three young ones, and I'm like, okay, time's running out. I've got a little bit left, and I have to just make a mad dash to that finish line with them to try and teach them as much as possible and see, Lord willing, um, the fruit of that in future generations. Because mm-hmm. I would hate to look at it and say, I want my time now, and I want my break now. I want my rest now. Um, frankly, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And so what I would hate to do is take that mindset now and then watch grandchildren and maybe even great-grandchildren yeah. that just forsake the Lord because yeah. I wasn't faithful in my youth. Yeah. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. talked to, I'm sure you've, you've talked to um, older folks, too, that express the express the pain that they experience oh, yeah. uh, spirit, spiritually looking at their grandchildren and their children. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe they came to know the Lord late in life and, and didn't have a an opportunity. So, I mean, it's just, I, I look at it and, you know, we talked about this, this generational thing of, you know, passing on the gospel to the next generation. I just really, really, really don't want to be the one to fumble the ball, you know? Yes. That like everything, yeah. like everything in, in, you know, and I say this to like our people, um, and some people might think that it's over the top, but if you look at it this way, like if you're a Christian, then everything in salvific history that has taken place, uh, that has trickled down, you know, your line to the gospel getting to you, like there is a lot of, you know, sovereign action and just crazy things that have happened for the gospel to make it to you personally. Yep. And you have a responsibility as a believer uh, to pass that on to those in your house. And it's beyond just saying, you know, well, kids, Jesus died for your sins. It's it's preaching the gospel. It's living a godly life. It's showing your children that your highest affections uh, are Christ. It's... Um, you know, it's being the the man or the woman of God that you're supposed to be. It's apologizing when you need to. It's repenting openly when you've sinned against your kids or your spouse. I mean, yep. the whole the whole picture of it uh, is parent your responsibility. It's weighty. It is. Man, that is so it weighty. Is. I remember holding my son, and I mean, my wife had just given birth, and I'm like. I have a soul in my hands at this point. And oh. it, it, it smacked me upside the head. I was still stupid and didn't know what the heck I was doing. And uh, I thank the Lord for bringing us to the church we're at now just because so many people came around us and helped us. Um, but it's it's sober. It's a huge, huge task. But the good thing is that God gives sufficient grace in the midst of that. And he is faithful. Um He's faithful to equip us, but he's also faithful to kick us in the butt when we need it and uh, to remind us of just the task we have. It's an awesome task, but it's a good one. And right. I think of all the things we can lose focus on and put our time into um, and place a priority on, but I don't think there'll be one regret 
taking your kids through another passage of scripture or mm. taking them through mm. a doxology or bringing them through the, to pray, um, however you pray. I mean, I, I, so much of my, my mind, I, I look back on years of what I think was wasted time and I know the Lord was sovereign in it and, um, sanctifying me and bringing me to a point of being able to take it more seriously and see it. But I still look at that and, and regret some, some things. Um, me too, man. Me too. I, but I was thinking through all this and this is like a week or two ago. I'm 30. How old am I? 38 years old. I'll be 39 in a few months. And I feel like for the first time I have five kids 38. And I feel like I'm finally at a place where I understand that. Does that make sense? Like, it's like, it's like I knew it. I knew it when I was younger. Right. I knew it when my kids were younger. Like Gracie, you mentioned, I had the holding my, your, your son in your hands. There's a soul in my hands. Like I knew, I knew the significance of it, but it never, but it didn't sink in. And I guess there's a level of maturity and wisdom that comes with age. I think as you are sanctified, as you are sanctified, absolutely. The, the reality of it weighs heavier on you. It it it, it almost it almost necessarily has to. It, I yeah, absolutely. I would hope so. But but I'm just the point the point to make that that react like the depth of that is the only way I can describe it. The weightiness of this is only something that has really struck me. Mm-hmm. Even though I mentally knew it, it struck me deep in my core in the past. I don't know six twelve months, mm-hmm. and I was just reflecting on that. Not not long ago, like in and that 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 work that the Lord has done in my heart, and anyway, it was brought about by thinking about do we want to adopt? What do mm-hmm. we want to do with more kids right. and whatnot? So anyway, here, here's a quote for you that I kind of relevant to what we're talking about. The everlasting damnation of your offspring is a is a catastrophe so awful that no single instrumentality which promises to avert it should ever be omitted. Mm. Well, I'm going to go cry now. Yeah, that one... uh... That's heavy. So, anyway, we're we're about out of time, and this this guy... Usually we're, like, goofing off and making jokes about Tim Keller or something at the... (laughs) In the last couple, he of did minutes. it. He worked in Tim. <laughs> the madman did it. Happen. <laughs> but but I think this maybe this is a good place to end it because if 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 the focus of this kind of follow up podcast was to stress the Bible commands this. Yeah. This is family worship is evident and integral in the Bible, and also emphasize you know what what is the outcome of mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I can't think of a better way to end a podcast than to just kind of let it let it hang out there. And th- this is a weighty thing. Mm-hmm. It's biblical. It's eternal. It's significant. And it's not something that we as parents, fathers, that we can take lightly. Because yeah. it's not just the it's not just the salvation, uh, the you know, the eternal ramifications of our children. But there are literally generations at stake mm-hmm. here. And I would say right. just by way of encouragement, uh, because I, I would hope that we have people listening from all different walks of life, um, different, you know, circumstances with your kids. Maybe you don't even have kids. Maybe you're trying for kids, all, all of those different things. Uh, we are responsible for our faithfulness 
we're not responsible for the result. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so yes. you are called to be faithful. I am called to be faithful. We are called to be faithful. And then to trust the Lord uh, will not the Lord of all the earth do right. The more I think about that principle, literally in all of life, um, the more it actually oddly brings me comfort. Um, mm-hmm. The best I can do is simply seek to be faithful with what I know at the time and what resources I have at the time. And again, the Lord is gracious. He is pleased to do in his sovereign work yeah. what I cannot do. Yeah. Um, but none of that negates my responsibility. And so all I want to do is strive after that as hard as I can. And yeah. and, man, yeah. and, and pray for your kids. Yes. I mean, I can't even. Things are changing so rapidly. I mean, it's just, I know I sound like an old man saying that, but they are, I mean, it's just, it's crazy how things have changed and, and the world is not the same as it was, you know, 10 years ago. I read ago. an article today of um, a board executive or board president or something like that in the state of Washington who also owns a sex shop is now going to be bringing ninth grade or not ninth graders, nine year olds into the sex shop to teach them about all the different stuff. And <clears> that like sounds nine sounds years like, old. Sounds like Washington. It does, but it's just, that's the world we live in right now. I mean, right. that might the, not the be people your would look, the, the people would look at that and say, you know what? That's a good idea. Like that's a good use of, of time and, and money. And you well, know, that's, that's ugh. the person they voted in to run in the school board. It's right. Like, that's a whole, and that's just, that's a whole nother subject. That yep. I know that we're that we have you know variation on, but don't send your kids to be trained by Romans and then be shocked when they come back Romans. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, or, that, yeah. I mean that's. Amen. I think that's a fitting. Or to be trained to by it. Caesar. I messed the quote up. I'm sorry, Doug Wilson. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I think it's a fitting close to what we're saying, though. At, at the end of the day, um, we're called to train them, and if we don't, somebody else will. Yep. That's just the reality of the world we yep. live in today. So yeah. take it seriously. Um, ask God for much grace, but be faithful. I got, a qu- I got a quick story. Do we have time for a quick story, Jack? Yeah, real quick. I just want to say if um, to, to the listener, is this a story for—, for for all of us, like everyone. Okay. Then quickly, let me, let me say this and then we'll close it on, on Blake's, uh, Blake's story. If again, I I hope, I hope, I hope this podcast has been encouraging to you. I can imagine by maybe some of the weightiness that we can, that it, it's real weightiness. It's not fabricated. This is absolutely weighty and real. Uh, as these other guys are saying, don't, don't be discouraged. Um, talk to your elders, uh, pray for your children, uh, if you if you don't know how to do it, uh, talk to your pastor again. Talk to your elders. Get involved in your church. You can get guidance there. The podcast right before this one, if you happen to skip over that one, we offer a lot of practical tidbits and just different things that we do. Again, there's no right and wrong way to do it um, in terms of just you know style, so to speak. But um, there are some core things that need to be there, and we talk about those in the in the last episode. So I. Um, Okay, with that, we'll... we'll no, that's uh, a great place to end. Blake. I don't even want to tell my story now. <laughs> no. No, you got to do it now. So we'll close no, on this. we'll save it Blake. for another time, Jack. It's fine. So I'm driving the church bus, right? The church kids, <laughs> they say crazy stuff. So 
We're uh, we're driving the church bus, and uh, there's this little girl on our bus. She's sitting right behind me in the driver's seat, so we're we're talking, and uh, you know, we were doing a, a kids event. We do like a, we do a program uh, that we actually invented called Flashpoint at our church. Uh, it's kind of like an Awana type thing. Anyway, uh, so we're talking to this little girl. We're like, hey, why don't you? She was talking about her best friend. You know, she you know hanging out with her best friend. She's gonna go stay the night at her best friend's house and all this stuff. I said, well, why don't you invite your your best friend to the next flashpoint and the girl immediately i I didn't even get it out of my mouth she goes oh we don't push our beliefs on others and i said what she goes oh we don't push our beliefs on others like that and i said i said oh i said where where did you hear that also my mom says we don't push our beliefs on others and the thing that just came into my mind was you know it's too bad that the world doesn't respect that at all because the world is actively trying to push their beliefs on our children Yep. And then we're, and then we have this, you know, this, this instance where, you know, someone's telling their child that we don't, you know, we don't invite our best friend to church. What? That's just, that's crazy. Yeah. So again, yeah. see it how that was not a good way to end this podcast. And Jack's thing was way better <laughs> for ending it. And so I'm going to try my hardest to campaign for that story to be cut out. And we'll see. It's not going to happen. Not gonna happen. It's a good story. And that little girl grew so, and that little girl grew up to be Tim Keller. <laughs> <laughs>